Hello and welcome to another episode of The Close Podcast. I am Cooper Knowlton. I'm joined today with uh, Emily Ash, and we are very excited to have Mike Fabry uh, joining us. Mike is currently a luxury real estate broker with the agency New York. Um, he is the former digital director and social media, uh, formal, former director of digital and social media at Douglas Elliman and former uh, senior lead of agent development at Compass. Um, in his first year as a broker, he earned the title as uh, the Manhattan Rookie of the Year by Corcoran, earning over $10 million in sales volume. And he's also been featured in shows like The Real Housewives of New York and Million Dollar Listing, which we're very excited to dig into later on. Um, but Mike, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Cooper. I'm uh, excited to be here. Sweet. Um, so, Mike, I, I, you know, as you know, we're a we're a New York real estate law firm, and the podcast is kind of focused really on New York real estate matters and issues. Um, Emily and I thought the the first place we were hoping you could start is to just kind of give us the thirty thousand foot view of what um, what the luxury market is looking like in Manhattan and New York City right now. Great. Um, so I would say 2023 has been a very interesting year for the real estate market in New York and yeah, a little carryover from 2022. Um, what we saw was with the increase in rates and inflation, um, a lot of those factors really, really had an impact on the market. And we went from a booming market after the pandemic, 2021 to 2022, you know, things were flying off the shelves, demand was high to almost like a, a screeching halt when rates really started to climb. And I think in general, it's not necessary, necessarily fair to, to pin it on one of these things, but I just think that in a time of uncertainty, the market always suffers a little bit. The good thing about it, New York is New York is resilient. Um, it is seen as a safe bet and, you know, no one's, like I always say, no one's betting against New York, so it's not completely dead. It is not tanked. <laughs> the market is not, it's not a bubble that's about to pop. It's just very, very slow at the moment. I think there's a pause and, you know, sellers are waiting to list if they don't need to sell right away for the market to improve. And buyers are on the sideline waiting for either rates to drop or, um, demand uh, inventory to pick up because right now we're seeing a huge crunch in that. So all those factors are creating a very, very slow marketplace. Uh, that said, I think it is a phenomenal time to be a buyer in this market and an opportunistic one. So that's what I'm advising all of my clients who are considering purchasing in the next year or two. Now is the time. I think the market is going to rebound. Um, probably not immediately this year, but sometime in 2024. A lot of that will, again, have to do with these kind of indicators like inflation and the um, rates and uh, just more confidence in the market, but it will happen. And I think what I tell everyone is, um, you know, you focus on the property, the home, your, you know, your quality of life and those decisions versus um, what everyone else is doing or all the clickbait you might be reading in the news. Have the trends changed in the type of property that you're seeing people go for as opposed you know, 2020 was booming and, and now, you know, it's slowing down. Um, are you seeing trends in types of buyers, types of properties? You know, how is it changing on that level? Yeah, I would say the, um, 
what we're seeing is a lot of all cash buyers, which always exists in New York, but they're having, you know, a great, <laughs> a great moment right now because it's, they're super competitive and, you know, not having to rely on rates or the banks, they're really attractive, especially to people who need to sell. So um, definitely a lot of all cash deals this year, a lot more than in normal years. Uh, one trend I am seeing, you know, I think it's really soft on in the uh, kind of first time home buyer market, the bread and butter of New York, which is like one to two bedroom co-ops, condos, because um, a lot of those people are typically financing or that, you know, that that would be their their way of, of affording their first home. So it's cut out, out a lot of that. A lot of those people are on the sidelines. So a lot of all cash, a lot of investors who are seeing opportunistic um, opportunities to to get a good deal and then be able to resell in a much shorter time frame than we're used to in New York. And then um, foreign investment, a lot of foreign coming in. Uh, that's always been a trend, but I'm seeing that a lot more this year. And um, those, and you know, one other trend I'm seeing is lots of rentals and not just the normal rentals, which everyone's talking about, which is the median, you know, 4,500 high-end rentals, luxury rentals. So a lot of buyers who would be purchasing these, very, you know, 40, 30, you know, 20, 30, $40 million homes they're choosing to rent right now. And the inventory for that is, um, is low. And, but what we're seeing is a lot of sellers who really need to sell or want to sell who are listed are now considering renting because the market is so soft. So we are seeing a pretty good equilibrium in supply and demand there. Has has the um, the foreign investment changed in the last few years? Are you seeing uh, more people coming in from different regions, or you know, declining from other other parts of the world? Uh, in terms of where the foreign investment is coming from, no, I don't. I don't think there's anything shocking or surprising. It's um, pretty consistent where it's coming from. I, what I what I actually want to what I'm interested to see it, it's more domestic and. Um, we're seeing a lot of influx from like LA, Miami, um, a lot of buyers that are, are coming to New York from, from the U S already that are local. So I've found a lot of West coast is coming to New York. What do you think the draw is, you know, New York's is not exactly a cheap market. So why are, why do you think all these people are flooding in from other areas of the country? Uh, I, I think these people are seeing an opportunity in New York right now to get a good deal, which you don't normally get. And especially the last two years where, Things were booming and things were going bidding wars over ask. Um, now you have an opportunity to get a discount on a place that isn't going to last too long. So I think people are seeing that opportunity and seizing it. Are there are there any like big picture trends you're seeing in the in the types of amenities people are looking for in buildings? Um, just like experiences, or I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what that would be, but. Um, you know, I, pools, pools and buildings and gyms and all, all sorts of things like that, that people that, that, that buildings really need to have in this, in this current day and age to kind of set themselves apart. Yeah. The interesting thing about amenities in a building are majority of buyers don't use them. Um, and they're expensive to keep up and that can affect your monthly common charges, your monthly maintenance. So there is kind of a uh, trade-off when it comes to buying into a building with amenities. But what I am seeing is that it almost like needs to check boxes. So it's almost expected now. So if you're buying in a condo building, where's the gym? Where's the storage? Where's the bike storage? You know, where's the communal rooftop? Um, it's not necessarily making them more competitive. It's just making them um, that it's kind of the 
the lowest common denominator now that you have to have these things. So it's more of a challenge to sell in a building or a unit that does not have these amenities. Um, I think now with a lot of people working from home, whether they are going back to the office or not, um, people have come accustomed to having everything in their home or readily accessible. So it's nice to have those at your disposal if you need them. But um, I wouldn't say there's a trend that one thing is really attracting buyers more than another. It's just having really good quality amenities that people want to use. Have you? Go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. I was just curious what the most unique thing you've seen in in some of these units are. Or the most unique request maybe too. Request thing, you know, I mean, maybe not, you know, that you wouldn't see in the average apartment or listing. So in the unit itself, if we're, you know, because I, I look at it two ways when you're purchasing, it's what does the building provide that your common charge paid for and what actually you have in your unit. And the biggest thing we're seeing is, you know, what used to be desirable, a dining room, separate kitchen are not, it's not anymore. So dedicated workspace or a space to, you know, put in a Peloton bike or gym um, or just a separate room because people are spending so much more time in their homes. So that extra room, which I, you know, I feel like I need to name it something because on a floor plan, we'll call it a den or a home office, or if it's not a legal bedroom, you can't, but it's kind of like a anything room that if you're, sometimes you just need space and you need to, you know, you don't want to be working in just one four by four room all the time. So um, that idea of an extra space that you could use for whatever your needs are, I is become really important. And then uh, to answer your question about the building, um, you know, parking has become a really big, big desirable amenity. Not every building has it. It's rare. It's very expensive too. But what I've found um, in this market, having a listing that has parking included or accessible to parking or even like a pull-up private driveway or something has been a huge, um, a huge selling point to a lot of these types of units. I get that. And I think a lot of that is because people got cars during the pandemic or or just now in this kind of the world we live in, people want to be able to be in the city, but also leave the city. They have that idea. They've had that taste of living kind of um, uh, both in and out and being able to to have accessibility and to, to go where you want. Yeah. Um. So I want to I want to take a step back and and, and pivot a bit um, and just kind of chat about the role that um, that social media is playing in in kind of the the real estate market and and also the high end real estate the luxury real estate market I know I certainly like scroll through Instagram and TikTok and see a lot of tours of these you know fifty hundred million dollar apartments in New York City and. Um, I know there's a whole world out there of, of that type of content that's being created. And, and I'm, I'm curious, um, as a broker, how much you're thinking about, uh, you know, your social media strategy and, and how much of demand seems to be driven by people seeing things on social media. Um, just kind of, just kind of curious, like what that, what, what, what roles that you, you think TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and whatever else are, are playing in kind of changing the dynamics of the, of the, of the industry right now. Yeah. I, so social media to me is my number one tool for 
marketing, for business development, for client relationship building. It's 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 just it's crucial. I think the way I've seen it kind of take or evolve and take a turn. It's no longer like a like a marketing discipline that you would you know. Oh, I need mailers. I need mm-hmm. um, I need a digital ad. It's become everything. It's become part of the conversation. It's become part of your day to day job. So there are plenty of times I'm doing a deal or negotiating or communicating with a client, and it's all via DM on Instagram because that's where they are. So I see it as a way a way to find them. Um, so the way to look at it, you know. It, it is an extension of you. So as a good real estate broker, you have to adapt and evolve because your whole livelihood and your whole business is relationships, communication, and really being able to to connect with your client base. And, and so it's... having some feedback issues. I'm not sure if that's anywhere. Uh, can you see who's, where that feedback's coming from? It looks like it says Emily. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, so the way I like to always use social media as an extension of me being able to just scale myself better, and that's really the opportunity with it. And then when you look at it from, say, you're selling an apartment, yes, I, you know, the number, the first place, the first showing is online. So whether that's they go to the listing or they see that they see it on TikTok or they see it on Instagram. So especially in a market like this where there's not a lot of demand and people are on the sidelines, you need to catch them. You need to be a little more proactive. You need to get in front of them. So you have to go where they are. And if that's them scrolling through Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever it is, like being making sure anything you're doing to market a property, to to uh, tell a story is also translated on on social media as well and in an organic way. And then when it comes to, you know, working with buyers or, or building relationships with clients, it's just such an effective and really rewarding way of keeping in touch and connecting. That's not just about real estate. It could be about your personal life, your interests and your hobbies, but also being able to show your business acumen and build confidence that people don't have to go look up your resume or look up what you've done. They've already seen it and they've already been part of that dialogue. So um, I think really understanding that, that it is an extension of your every day, not just necessarily like, oh, I have to post today or I have to do this, then you're not using it the right way. So have you noticed any, uh, has, has social media um, this is a question from Emily, who for, for people listening at home, uh, they will notice that Emily is no longer on the on the feed because we're having some tech issues. But uh, Emily asked uh, whether social media has affected the type of buyer that we're seeing um, that, that you're seeing in the market. Um, this is a pretty interesting question. I wouldn't say it affects the type of buyer in this market. It affects the inputs that buyer is getting. And that's not just their social media feed. What we're finding is that like their family, their friends, their children, they're sharing things they find on their own. And that could be influencing the buyer or making them aware of a listing or a type of property or an area that they weren't before. So it's affecting the mindset and the psychology or the, the I guess, the 
motivations behind a buyer. Um, and then, but I guess, you know, if you look at it from, is it engaging new buyers that wouldn't have been buyers or they're not active in the market? I do think, yes, that is a natural, um, it, it's, it's an obvious, um, out outcome of social media because when it's like the same thing with online shopping or buying, like you get an ad for something. Oh, I didn't need that, but now I want it. So if you do have the disposable income or you're someone who's opportunistic, I do think, yes, it's a way to re-engage. And there are people that are coming out the woodwork that might not have been. Um, but I would say more so it's about social media has really impacted the way in which we market and reach a buyer and, and kind of get their attention. And that's through also their own network of people. Got to think about like targeting the the kids. They're, they're really the, the kids of the high high uh, net worth individuals in New York City. <laughs> that's the that's the strategy. They're the ones who are going to be showing the TikToks to their parents. Yeah. Um, how about I'd, I'd be curious. I've uh, in in full transparency, I've never seen an episode of Real Housewives, but um, I would I would love to hear about how you got involved in that show and and um, how being on that show has impacted your uh, career as a broker. Great. So I would say reality TV in general, real estate's one one of those professions that it actually has a lot of benefit. Totally. Um, if you use it correctly, and that's because any kind of exposure or any kind of relevance and marketing platform that you can create for yourself only makes you a better broker and a stronger broker and also expands your, your reach and your sphere of influence. So done correctly. Um, I think it can really have a positive impact. I never really sought out reality TV for that reason. I just was kind of always around it. Um, I grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut and I, moved to the city immediately after graduating college. I've been here a long time and I just happened to, because of that, know a lot of people who ended up going on to reality shows or I met them through close friends. So with Real Housewives, a few of the cast are friends of friends of mine that I've been social with and there have been opportunities where they've been filming and I've been on the show and you know, never as a main character or someone that aspired to be a real housewife, but um, as an opportunity to, you know, any way to get your face out there and your name out there is, is good. So, um, and just also a way to really have some common ground with your clients. So because these are the most, you know, watched television shows right now and viewership is high, people are really, you know, it's part of the zeitgeist being able to talk about that and also have an experience of being on it and having some insider info really helps you connect better with uh you know your clients who do, might be, do potential might be potential new clients bring it up all the time like when they meet you they're like oh my god i saw you on the show <laughs> yeah and, or even if they didn't see me they kind of know or i've 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 talked about it or they've heard about it but and especially like i used to work for ryan sirhan who was on million dollar listing yeah. and now i work with mauricio mansky who's on real housewives of beverly hills so those names are very well known and especially in the bravo sphere so yeah i would say usually out of 10 conversations I have, it comes up at least half of them and people are really excited and curious and interested to hear. It's so funny. Did, do you feel like you've gotten business to, as a direct result as like someone who saw you on that show, who, who sought you out because they're like, Oh, I, I want to work with that individual. You know, 
you know, Connor uh, Cooper, that's a that's a good question. I I'm sure at some point, you know, I I did a little bit on Summer House, which is another Bravo show, and I did. One of my friends from high school reached out to me after seeing me on the show, and they ended up being a client. I don't think it was in that direct conversation that they said, "Oh, I'm looking to buy an apartment," but eventually it just kind of helped us reconnect. But um, I would say I think just kind of like that halo effect of being known for being on it or seeing on it, especially like million dollar listing, which is all about real estate. I've had people make that correlation and then reach out to me. That's funny. Um, so with, with the last couple of minutes that we have here, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, if you have any advice, you mentioned a little bit of this kind of just the way you think about social media. And I think that was really valuable advice, not just for agents, but for any, any people in the current business world and how you, how you think about social media, I think was, was, was really valuable, but wondering if you have any other thoughts or advice for people who are interested in getting into the world of being a broker or working in, um, luxury real estate in, in New York city and in, in kind of the current market. Yeah, so I, I think given the nature of my unique history in this industry, I I get at least like someone once a week reach out wanting to get into it, and I always take time to take a call with them and talk about my experience because the path to success here, or even just the path to a career in real estate, is not conventional. There's no roadmap, um, and we are all by nature independent contractors. So there's no HR. There's no you know we're kind of on our own. So I always, there were really, really important people who helped me at the beginning. So I always take time to do that with others. So to answer your question, um, what I always tell anyone who reaches out is that I give the real positive, exciting, why I love it part, but then I immediately follow it with the reality of the job and the day-to-day and what made me good at it and what, what I needed to learn. And so that people can really understand before getting into it, because one problem with so, uh, reality TV and social media is you only see the good parts, the glamorous parts, the exciting drama of it. You don't see the day-to-day grind. So really educating people into what the job entails. And also, you most likely will not make money <laughs> for at least two years, and that's bare minimum. Um, really, you have to start, you have to learn, you have to build your pipeline. It takes a while. So I always tell people, just plan for two years of not making a dollar have enough savings and you really need to stick with it. If you can't do that, then there's other ways to get involved in the industry, but I don't think throwing yourself to be a commission only broker is probably for you. Uh, But if you can do that, and then you also have what I always say are the three main criteria and that's your sphere of influence. Do you have a network? Do you have, do you have a client list that you can pull from? Um, Number two, do you know what you're talking about? Do you have a passion for it? Do you like real estate? Have you been a buyer or seller? What can you draw on to give yourself a unique edge? <clears throat> and then three, what are, you know, what are your main strengths? What are your, what, what makes you stand out? What's your background? And that's cool about real estate is everyone comes from a different background. A lot of people that are actors, there's people who are lawyers, finance draws all different types. So what's your unique selling point that can make you differentiate and stand out? If you have all that, then I think you do. It is a great career and you can be very successful. But the number one thing is surround yourself with the right people. You need to trust people. There are so many people in this industry that you cannot trust that are only out for themselves that, and there's no accountability and there's no one going to, you know, hold your hand. So 
finding those people, sticking with them and building from there, that will set you up for success more than anything. Love it. Love it. That's uh, maybe a great place to, to end up unless I'm going to give Emily 10 seconds if she has any final questions. Otherwise, I will just ask you to, um, for any of our listeners who are interested in, in getting in touch, what's the best way um, besides finding you on TikTok and, and Instagram, what's the, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Great. Yeah. To, to get in touch with me. Yeah. Please follow my Instagram. Mike dash Fabry um, is my handle. I send, you know, whatever your communication style is, my email, Mike dash Fabry at the agency.re.com. Um, but yeah, I would say follow me on Instagram, see who I am, get to know me, get to know my personality and we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, I'm used to the weirdos reaching out. (laughs) Mike, this was really fun. Um, Really appreciate your time. Thanks for bearing with us through the the scheduling changes and the the tech issues. And uh, hopefully we can can have you on again at some point in the future. Um, Because, yeah, this is great. Great. Yeah. I I had a great time. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Love it. For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, Knowlton, and Polina on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.